0: You unravel me with a melody, and you surround me with a song. Deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone, and I'm no longer. on your blood. A child of God. and I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God.
1: Amen. All right, we welcome you again to the Lord's house. And if, if you're watching on online we welcome you too of course and we've come to the end of the book of luke so if you want to turn there luke chapter 24 the last chapter in the book and we'll read the last verses in the book that luke wrote the gospel that luke wrote so luke 24 50 through 53 50 through 53 Uh, getting ready if you turn there uh uh, next week, uh, since we're at the end of the book, I I've said before, I don't know if you remember or not, but we will plan to go to the book of Hebrews next. But I'll take a few weeks. I'm not sure what we will do, all we will do in, in between those two things. Um, next week, uh, what I do think I want to do is take an a overview of the book of Luke. Next week, probably like two or three things that I learned the most or spoke to me the most or however you want to say that. So I'm just going to kind of do an overview next week. The next week is communion for us. And so there will be a couple weeks break, and then we we will start in the book of Hebrews if the Lord wills. So the end of the book of Luke. And... um, Luke writes, and he led them out, Jesus led them out, the disciples, as far as Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And this is what they did. The the response of the disciples, what I really want to key in on here, 52 and 53. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Continually in the temple praising and blessing God and they and they worshipped him and they praised him. They blessed him. Uh, note here when it says, uh, when Luke writes that they bless God, we talk a lot about God blessing us. Nothing wrong with that because the Bible is full of that, that, that God blesses his people. But... Uh, we don't think so much, maybe you do, Uh, maybe I don't, don't think so much and don't think enough about me blessing him. And so that's what I want to key in on today is just the worship part of, I I think I could sum all that up, there's a lot of ways to say it, but just the worship part of what we do, uh, what the early church did, what was very important to them is to worship And to praise, and I'm going to talk about that. And we talk about worship and and praise, giving the Lord thanks, learning to love Him. uh, That issue is so big, it would be be similar to me talking about faith or grace or something like that. You get an issue that's just so big, it's hard for me to zero it down to where I, you know, just talk for a little while. Uh, about that. So I've got a couple thoughts that I want to use to help me to zero in a little bit more, to focus more when we talk about the issue of worship, because the issue of worship is so big. One of them is a, is, is a quote, and we're going to go and put that on the screen. It's from the Westminster Shorter, Westminster Shorter Catechism, and um, I'll explain that just a little bit. Well, I'll do it right, right here. Westminster Shorter Catechism is just a way that the church, I'm going to just say about 100 years ago, 100 plus years ago, used to teach. It was a teaching tool. There there are 107 questions in the catechism, and how the church used to teach was they would simply, a question was asked and answered and that's how they taught so everyone who was going through being taught they would memorize the question and memorize the answer and this is the first question and answer in the catechism what is the chief end of man so if you were being taught if you're being taught in the church uh, what is the chief end of man the answer is man's chief end is to glorify god and to enjoy him forever and I want to key in on that last thought: to enjoy Him forever. Uh, sometimes in the Catechism, this is what pastors would do. Not every pastor did this, but he would go from home to home. It's kind of like the original, the first original small group. He would go to, from home to home, and he would he would sit down with that home, with the with the folks in that home, and they would go over the Catechism. So he would ask the question, and and they would learn. They would learn the, the answer. Amazingly, this is the truth, amazingly, uh, many public school students were taught this in, in the first grade. So if you were in uh, way, way back, 100 plus year, years ago, if you were in the first grade in public school, you would m- memorize the catechism. Okay? Can you imagine? Let's, I'll just show you how far we've come. Can you imagine if in the first grade in our public school this, this was taught? Can, <laughs> can you, let's, let's move on, all right? So what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's a pretty good answer. And I think that goes right along with uh, this, this question came to mind when I read this text about learning to worship him learning to praise him and they put it this way the catechism puts it this way learning to enjoy him um, we're gonna put this next thought on the screen as I move move along learning to enjoy him every generation worship is a work in progress for every generation every generation learns again what it means to worship and to praise now all I have is my experience but my experience was when I think about the, the thought that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, I was never taught that. I was never taught to enjoy him. Now, uh, I may in, in church as a child, I was taught to fear him. I was taught to ob- obey him. I was taught to trust him. Now all those are good things, right? They are. They're biblical things. We should do all of those things, but I have to say that in my uh, my tradition and in my experience, the I was not taught how to worship Him. I was not taught how to enjoy Him. I was not taught how to love Him. I I I missed out on that. And that's this is not the reason why but part of the reason why it's been a little bit of a struggle for me as an adult pastor to teach that to someone else I I'm better at teaching you how to fear him and obey him and trust him I teach a lot about grace I teach a lot about grace it's it's easier for me to teach you about grace it's easier for me to teach you about faith but to teach you as an adult the pastor to teach you to worship him, to love him, and to enjoy him. Honestly, that's harder for me to do because I struggle to learn it myself. It's hard to teach something that you're not, uh, you know, real comfortable with your, yourself. So every generation, worship is a work in progress. I believe that entirely. So uh where Maybe as a child, the way I learned to worship is not at all the way I worship now. It's not even—it's not even close. If you could take a snapshot of the of the church that I was raised in, and you take a snapshot of of our church here, it doesn't even look the same. It's—it's it's like we're not even—we're not even on the on the same page at at all. So it's been a work in progress, and and I just want to say this as the. Uh, definitely, the older half of the church, as I am, definitely the older half of the church now, I know that those coming coming after me it 's a work in progress for you too for the for the children, the teens, the younger folks in our in our church, worship will continue to look different, and i don't expect that your worship will look like mine, okay I do not expect that i don't expect you to worship the way I do. And I, I, I know that every generation has got to get this down for themselves. I wish it was easier to teach. Uh, uh, the Old Testament is, is full of thou shalt and thou shalt not's. The Old Testament is full of the law. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. That's easy to write down. It's easy to write the Ten Commandments. This is what you shall not do, and this is what you shall do. But when the New Testament came along and Jesus talked about loving the Father, there are some scriptures when Jesus, that's the exact quote, loving the Father, I love the Father, he loves me as I love him. They, that was new. Don't Nobody talked like that because loving God, learning to love him was just not something that was, that was talked about. I'm not saying it's not in the Old Testament at all because it is, but it was never stressed. And so Jesus comes along and, he's, and he stresses not only o- obedience, but he stresses grace and he starts stressing love and learning how to do that, learning to love God. The Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's so so much easier to teach rules. So much harder to teach love. Here's the thing. I'll move on. I'm in the progress, my generation for me, I'm in the progress of still learning to worship him. I'm, I'm in the progress of still learning to enjoy him. I was not taught that, and so I'm having to learn that. And I wish I was better at teaching that, but here's the bottom line of all that. Each of us in the room will have to learn that. We're going to have to get that. We're going to have to seek for that, learn how to do that. That's what the early church did. They, they got together, they praised him, they blessed him. Instead of it all of it being about God blessing me, it was, now I want to learn to bless him, but we're going to have to learn that. Worship is a work in progress. Every generation will have to learn what it, what it means. Okay, moving on, uh, there is an outline of this on the backside of your announcements. If you're in, in person, most of it will be on the, on the screen. This is a definition that I came up with a few years ago for worship. It, it just it fits me. It helped me. Uh, when, I, when I preach about it, it, I don't know, it just kind of helped me say what I want to say. And I want to use this uh, to help me stay on focus right now. Worship is when you see yourself for who you, who y- you really are, and you see Jesus for who he really is, and you see the difference. That's, now, worship, oh, you say, well, is that all? No, that's not all it is. Of course it's not. This just helps me to zero in. It's so much more than that. That's why I had to really, you know, choose something to keep me on focus here because there's so much more to that. But it is this. I really do believe it. It is this. When you see yourself for who you really are and you see Jesus for who he really is and you see the difference because there is a huge difference. And... So I want to deal with what we're going to do is take those two things in parts, first part, the second part. So the next, uh, when we see ourselves, it's hard to worship if. It's hard to worship if. This is seeing yourself. If you are haughty, don't use that word a lot, do, do we? But if you're haughty, you're proud, you're self-centered, yourself satisfied if i would add to that i could just put self if you're full of yourself this is the first part worship is when you see yourself as you really are when you see yourself as you really are if you Come to any kind of come to worship here you're worshiping at home you're worshiping in your in your car if you're haughty you're proud you're self-centered yourself you're you're self-satisfied just so wrapped up in yourself it's it's just so hard to worship when your mind is so centered on yourself so the answer to that is to go through the process The spiritual process, the spiritual discipline of getting rid of myself, getting my mind off of myself. Somebody said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. And so it's going through that process of, you know, I want to do that. I want to worship the Lord better than I have. I want to worship the Lord more than I have. And then I have to come to the realization that it's not about me, that coming to church is not about me. Worshiping him is, is not about me, but it's about him. And then going through the process of whatever that takes for you, whatever that means for you, I'm trying to figure that out for myself. Lord, how do I go through the process? How do I learn? How do I get to the point where it becomes less of me? Where I'm not always thinking about me, when I'm not always thinking about what other people think about me, when I'm not always thinking about what other people said. Talking to someone the other day, and they brought up something that someone said, oh, I could go back and look the date because it was, it was at a funeral. So I could go back and look up the date, but it'd have to be 10, 15 years ago. It would have to be. Someone in our church passed away, and at a funeral, somebody said something to this person that I was talk- talking to, and, and they brought that up again. That, do you remember when so-and-so said to me uh, about this and that? And I looked at him and I said, I don't remember that at at, at all. (laughs) I have no idea what, you know, what you're talking about. They said, well, you were right there. I said, yeah, but that's been, you know, 15 years ago. I don't remember that. I've lived a lot in 15 years. A lot is... A lot has t- taken place. They remembered it like yesterday. They said, yeah, I can't believe you don't remember that. They remembered it like yesterday, 15 years ago, because of what somebody did to them, what somebody said to them. I'm going to be a little rough right here, right now, but you've got to get over this. You have got to get over yourself i didn't hear an amen and i didn't expect one okay you have got to get over yourself and who else in the room has to i do i have got to get over myself it's not about me it's not about what somebody said to me 15 years ago it's not about that in worship, it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about Jesus, pure and simple. It's not about me, it's not about you, it's about Jesus Christ. And when we come into the Lord's house, we've got to work on, say, well, that's not easy to do. Of course it's not easy to do. Hey, you know what? I agree with what some, someone said sometime, that the devil will let will, will, will let almost anything else go. The the That Satan doesn't care about hardly anything as much as he does our worship. That's what he cares about. Because why? That's what he wants. That's that's why Satan fell. He wants to be like God. He wants us to worship him like we worship Jesus instead. He wants our worship. Instead of what we give to Christ, he wants it for himself. So he'll let almost anything else go. He doesn't care about our evangelism. He doesn't care about our prayer life. He doesn't care about our Bible study. Near as much as he does our worship. I believe that. I guarantee you that's true. He hates our worship. Worship of Jesus Christ. And and so he's doing everything he can to interrupt that, to stall that, to interfere with that. And the best way he can do that is when we concentrate so much and we zero in on ourselves. I don't ever want to hear from our church as you leave church. Did you see what so-and-so was wearing? I don't want to hear that. I don't want it to be about what so-and-so was wearing. Did you hear what so-and-so said? I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear about the price of gas. I don't want to hear about the depth of the snow. I don't want to hear about COVID-19. That's not what we're here for. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings, but sometimes your feelings need to be hurt because you need to get over yourself. I still didn't hear it, amen? I still didn't didn't expect one. But that is the answer. As tough as it may be, as much as you don't want to hear that, that is the answer. What stalls us, what keeps us from worshiping Jesus is us. It's me when it's all about me. When we come to the Lord's house, I want us to talk about Jesus. I want us to sing about Jesus. I want us to preach about Jesus. It's not about us, but it's all about him. When we come in and we're haughty, we're proud, we're self-centered, we're self-satisfied, when we're thinking about us, when we're thinking about me, it's when you see yourself as you really are. And all of that, all of that is really who I am. That's me. It's not just you. It's me. I've got to work on that. I have got to work on that. It's not about me. But the next one, it's hard to worship if. Now we're turning our eyes off of, off of us and onto him. When you see yourself as you really are, and then when you see Jesus as he really is, it's hard to worship if you're bitter, vengeful, angry, and disappointed in Jesus. When you see him for who he really is, for who he really is, I don't even know what all to say about this. We get bitter, vengeful, angry. We get disappointed because God's not doing what we want him to. Because life isn't turning out the way I wish it would. Because God seems to be standing on the sidelines, watching but not helping. God, where are you? God, why aren't you doing what I'm asking you to do? Why aren't you answering my prayers the way I want? And on and on and on. But when we really worship him, we see him as he truly is, we get rid of all the, uh, I'm not sure the word to use, all the requirements. God, if you'll do this, then I'll worship you. God, if you'll answer this way, then I'll worship you. When we get rid of all the requirements, all the... uh, Still, I still can't think of the word. All the things that we think God has to do before we'll worship him. Instead of, you know what, Lord, you don't have to do anything more. You've already done everything. Lord, I don't have a list of things that, that you need to do. I worship you for who you are. Sometimes we put it like this. It's learning to worship his face. Instead of his hands. His face is who he is. His hands is is what he does. But it's learning to worship his face. It's learning to worship his name. Who he is. Not just what he does. Now I thank the Lord for what he does. That's that's true. But I worship him for who he is. And so when we get rid of all the, the lists of things that we think God needs to do and just worship him for who he is and for what he's done, but for who he is. If you insist on only worshiping for what he's done, if that's all you do, you're going to be disappointed about half the time because he's just simply not going to keep doing everything you want him to do. And so if if you're building your worship life just on what Jesus has done and is doing, then disappointment will be your lifestyle. But when you give up on that, you know what it is? A lot of it is, is just giving up. I'm going to ask for the musicians to come. Get ready to have our, our prayer time. A lot of it is just when you give up. Say, Lord, I, I, I give up on, on wanting it to be all about me. I just, I just give that up. And then, Lord, I give up on, on giving this list of requirements for what I insist that you do. I just, I just give that up. And so that's a, I think that's a pretty good way to put it, just give up. Say, Lord, here I am. I want to worship you as you are. I see myself for the way I really am. And I see Jesus for who he really is. And I see the difference. And that difference is huge. And so, Lord, I want to learn to enjoy you. I want to learn to worship you. I want, I want to learn to love you. And I know that obedience and faith and grace is, is important But I want to learn to love you. And I want my generation to be different. I want my generation to learn to do that better. I want to love you. I'm going to ask the congregation to stand. And this is our prayer time. If you want to come to a chair, one of these chairs up front, and pray. uh, It may be just, I just need to give myself to the Lord again this morning. I, I need to give some things up in my life. I need to, give, I need to get rid of me. Uh, I need to learn to worship him. I need to learn to love him. Anything at all. If you need to come to a chair, to an altar, and pray while they play and sing, we invite you to come.
2: You could just hold me